0: Why don't we stand together and we're going to read 2 uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, the first seven verses of chapter 13, um, but uh, I made just a last minute call during worship that I want to read um, our verses from last week's, it says this, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then let's hop over to chapter 13. This will be the third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time and now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God for we also are weak in him but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do know evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable though we may seem disqualified. Let's pray. We come today, Lord, in weakness, the weakness that we've read of today. We take wonderful pleasure in that weakness because it shows us our desperate need for you and your strength and your resurrection power. And Lord, I pray that you would give us minds to understand and ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are open to receive from you and to be changed today by the power of God. And Lord, there's a lot in this text and and in it all, I just pray that we would see how little we are and how big you are. And Lord, that the Spirit of God would do a, a radar in our heart, do an x-ray or an MRI spiritually to see if we have hearts that have been born again, hearts that have been replaced with new hearts by the Spirit of God. And Lord, where anyone has been covering up a, a degenerate life with religion or external cleansing, when the inside of that man or woman is still corrupt and needing to be changed. God, would you do a a work of your spirit here that would breathe new life into these dead, dry bones. We would give you all the glory for your grace here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys, go ahead and be seated. I'm going to read another version of our text today that's a little easier to, to comprehend to the average reader, the average Joe. Uh, It sure helped me in my studying this week, and so I'll have it up there. It's from the J.B. Phillips translation, and it's verses 2 through uh, 8 here. It says, My previous warning given on my second visit still stands, and though absent, I repeat it now as though I were present. My coming will not mean leniency for those who had sinned before that visit and those who have sinned since. It will in fact be a proof that I speak by the power of Christ. The Christ you have to deal with is not a weak person outside you, but a tremendous power inside you. He was weak enough to be crucified, but he lives now by the power of God. I am weak as he was weak, but I am strong enough to deal with you for I share his life By the power of God. You should be looking at yourselves. To make sure that you are really Christ's. It is yourselves that you should be testing. Not me. You ought to know by this time that Christ is in you. Unless you are not real Christians at all. And when you have applied your test. I am confident that you will soon find. That I myself am a genuine Christian. And so, about five weeks now that we have looked at the context of 2 Corinthians, that Paul has had to be like a loving father and bring discipline to a church that had been walking in carnality. And like so many of us, when we're corrected, we shrink back or pull back and maybe even rebel more. And there were those in Corinth that did just that they pulled back, they did not repent of their sin, but they rebelled even more. In fact, in that rebellion, they began to listen to false teachers and false prophets and guys that looked super duper on the outside, but inward, they were ravenous wolves trying to lead people away from Jesus as they were leading them away from Paul the Apostle's ministry. And so much of the last three chapters has been Paul defending his authority and the validity of his ministry uh, through his life, through his service, through his suffering, through the visions and revelations that God has given to him. And, uh, and in all of that, he kind of came down last week as we looked at saying, man, that Jesus has appeared to me multiple times and spoken to me truths and powerful things. Um, man, that, that's some of the biggest evidence that I have. But man, that could be something that puffs me up and gives me pride. And so I remember how weak that I am. Uh, And and he just goes back to being humble and making much of God. And he says, and to show me how weak I am, God gave me sovereignly a thorn in my flesh and a messenger of Satan to just buffet me and give me a black eye all the time. And that constantly keeps me low lest I puff myself up and get prideful um, beyond measure. And so there was this idea that and because that's what God is doing, and as he appeared to me and said, hey, in your weakness, I am strong. Don't worry, as you are in these weak times, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul says, well, then bring on the weakness so that you can be strong and bring on my infirmities and my reproaches and my distresses and my persecutions because the more I decrease, Lord, the more you increase, as John the Baptist said. So he said, bring on the decreasing of Paul so that Jesus can be increased in my life. It's a prayer that we all should have. And it's, it's a hope that we all can have. That in our suffering, he's doing something wonderful and incredible in our life of glorifying himself. And so with that as the idea coming into our text today, we want to continue that vision of our weakness and his strength in our weakness. Now the context of it is, is that Paul says, hey, I might seem weak to you Corinthians that are critical of me and haters of me. I might seem weak to you, but just as Jesus seemed weak, he also rose in power and glory. One day he's going to judge the world in his resurrected glory. Um, And so you all just need to be warned that though I've got Physical infirmities, and I'm a little bit hunchback and bow nose, and got a screechy voice, and I've had malaria so many times that I'm blind. And I, you know, uh, they made fun of his his appearance from all of his infirmities. He says, "Hey, when I come, it's going to be severe if you don't repent of your sins." And so, while that's the context of what Paul is going through with the Corinthians, um, I want to use it as a segue into. A a wonderful truth as well of his strength in our weakness and and continue that theme in this powerful verse four. So, So let me read verse four again. For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God. And then you might notice those last two words, toward you that's the context is it's in shepherding and disciplining the corinthians toward you that that power is going to come through but i is my studying and spending time in the word today i feel like uh, god wants to also speak to us um, his power of the resurrection in us as new testament christians and so we're going to take a scan of many incredible passages that speak to the the death of our Lord and the resurrection of our Lord being applied to us as Christians as well through faith. And I just hate that this verse is here the first Sunday in March. I want it to be at the end of March when it's Resurrection Sunday or Easter because I'm like, man, I want to teach this verse on Easter. It's about the resurrection power of Jesus. So I might. Um, But... uh, (laughs) We're going to preach the resurrection uh, anyways. But, um, but this is where the Lord has us today. And so we'll start out with this, though he was crucified in weakness phrase. Maybe just let yourself go there. Let yourself spend time this morning pondering how God in the flesh, 100% deity, 100% man, Through the hypostatic union, God draped himself in flesh and lived an obedient, perfect life so that he could suffer and die for us. And let yourself go to that God-man suffering after being betrayed, suffering while being stripped and whipped and bruised and beaten and mocked and torn and, and crushed. He was crucified in weakness let's consider that weakness this morning if you go to Philippians 2 we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 right now but starting in verse 5 it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus what mind was in Christ Jesus Well, let's hop back to verse three, where he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That means that Jesus had a mind where nothing he did was done with a desire for himself to advance, but rather he came uh, seeking other people's best interests. So he came without selfish ambition. He came without looking out for number one. He came without an elevated view of himself. Rather, as we're going to see in a minute, he came to serve. He came in lowliness of mind. And the Greeks hated that phrase because it meant humble-minded or Rory-minded. You know, Rory-minded. you know, let everything be done in lowliness of mind, in esteeming others as better than yourself. It, it speaks of getting down and raising others up. Having a mind that is not about your advancement, but the advancement of others. He esteemed everyone else, else as better than himself. It says in verse 4, and I'm just using this, I'm phrasing it as speaking of Jesus. That he looked out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. This was a verse that we memorized when I was in high school as we would go to on mission trips. And it was something to teach our team uh, to not be selfish, but to, to serve the rest of the teammates. Because on mission trips, it's very easy to get selfish. Very easy to kind of look out for your own interests. And happens to the best of us. Amen, Mark? Anyways, um... But you know what, what a great verse for high schoolers to memorize, amen? What a great set of scriptures for middle schoolers to memorize, amen? You know, hey, you're looking out for your own interests. You know, let the mind be that was in Christ Jesus be in you this morning. Be humble about yourself. Esteem others as better than yourself. Elevate them and serve them. Don't look out for yourself. Don't stand in front of them while they're sitting in the recliner and say, that's my seat, I was sitting there first. Get up, get up. I'm not getting up, get up get up i'm not getting up you know okay we've got a problem here we got to go to philippians 2 you're thinking too much of yourself and less of the other person now in all of this this these were the minds set that was in christ jesus and what makes this so spectacular was he was in the form of god and did not consider it robbery to be equal of god this is a verse that shows the deity of jesus For him to call himself God wasn't robbing the title of God from God. Because he was God. He was God. And he is God. And he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men. And so what we have here is God taking on flesh and just humbling himself and humbling himself and humbling himself and hum I mean this passage just keeps speaking of the human weakness of Jesus it just keeps going down it's you know this has been called the great condescension where Jesus who was great came down to our level and he came in the likeness of men and as appearance of a man he humbled himself that's wonderful he became obedient well that's wonderful how obedient to the point of death that's wonderful what kind of death the worst kind of death and the most humiliating kind of death that there was a death where you're naked in front of people at their eye level for days on end in excruciating pain being eaten by wild beasts going to the bathroom all over yourself and being mocked for as long as it takes for you to die So how low did he go? As low as you can. Mentally, he came as low as he could. Physically, as low as he could. Lower than any angel ever has, Hebrews tells us. Suffering, as men know how to suffer. Suffering worse than men know how to suffer. And dying, even the death of the cross. Now, this is a passage we're going to come back to to show the good news of all of this. This is all bad news, it seems. He was crucified in weakness, made weak in every way that we could imagine. And we're going to come back to this passage and and show the the good news, the resurrection part of the J-curve that we talked about weeks ago. we got the bad news. Crucified in weakness after completely humbling himself and thinking of other people. But it's going to go whoop. All right? And we're going to come back to that, the, the good part. But in Mark ten forty five, one of my life verses, it says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Another good memory verse for all of us that struggle with selfishness. <laughs> so all of you. Uh, husbands, wives, children, parents, I mean, we need this. To be reminded that even the Messiah... When he showed up, it wasn't like, hey, check out my white stallion, you know. Bow down, you know. But he came as a suffering servant. He came not for everyone to serve him, but rather for himself to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. We see his crucified in weakness just after Luke 22 when he is Praying in the garden. And an angel appears to him from heaven strengthening him. Speaks of weakness. He's at the end of himself. And an angel comes to strengthen him. And it says in being in agony. He prayed all the more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We're going to study the medical aspects of this on Good Friday, but you know it speaks of overwhelm with so much stress that his capillaries burst and he began to sweat blood. And so when we read of him being crucified in weakness, we, we read of a Jesus who has served and never thought of himself and in praying he is so weak and in such agony that he is sweating great drops of blood in fact i'm going to hop a verse here but go to hebrews 5 7 it says that in the days of his flesh so again he was crucified in fleshly weakness when he'd offered up prayers and supplication it's speaking of the garden of gethsemane prayer time with vehement cries and tears vehement sorrowful passionate zealous, tears of agony, needing an angel to strengthen him. Soon after, he would be crucified in weakness. What did this weakness look like? Well, a messianic passage from Isaiah 53 just gives us metaphors and pictures that help undergird this. He says, Isaiah says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has nor no form or comeliness that when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him he's despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we esteem him as stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth." He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken uh, from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death because he'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. So that was Big old chunk of Isaiah 53, but let me summarize the weakness in which Jesus was crucified by looking at key words from that passage. Tender plant, root out of dry ground, no former comeliness when we'd see him, there's no beauty to desire him, despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, uh, he was despised we didn't esteem him he bore our griefs carried our sorrows stricken smitten afflicted wounded bruised chastised striped speaking of whip marks on his back he had iniquity of us all laid on him oppressed afflicted opening not mouth led as a lamb to the slaughter a sheep before shears cut off from the land of the living taken from prison uh, stricken from the peop, trans, for the transgressions of his people, having a grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, pleasing the Lord to bruise him, put to grief. Or as Paul puts it, crucified in weakness. Luke twenty three thirty three. and when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garment and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him. Coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Crucified in weakness. But don't be confused. Jesus' weakness was actually voluntary meekness, it was controlled strength. It was strength. That had been bridled. It was voluntary. Jesus himself says that don't you know that I can now pray to my father. And he will provide me more than 12 legions of angels. But if I did that how then could the scriptures be fulfilled. That it must happen thus. That's voluntary meekness. When you know that I could end all this right now and just wipe out the world. But the will of the Father is something else. People will perish in their sins. If it doesn't continue this way. The plan of the scripture from Genesis through Revelation. Of God being glorified in redeeming sinners through the death of his son will not happen if the Son doesn't die. Men will perish, and God will not receive the glory. So we need some voluntary meekness, says the second person of the Trinity. As he says in a prophecy, sacrifice an offering you don't desire, but a body you have prepared for me. As it is written in the volume of the book, I delight to do your will, O God. A body was prepared that would come and be weak. He would delight in the will of the Lord. He would obey, and he would die in obedience. This weakness was voluntary meekness. As John 10 18 says, No one takes my life for me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself and became obedient. And so now we can look unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12 says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, crucified in weakness, but voluntary meekness. He endured it. He despised the shame that came with such a death and he has, and here's the good news, here's the whoop part of the J curve and now he has sat down At the right hand of the throne of God. It didn't end bad. He didn't stay in the tomb. You can go there today and you can see that it's open and clear. Just as he said it would be. And he ascended 40 days later. And was received in a homecoming that was said. Who is this king of glory? Open up O you gates and let him in. The Lord Almighty is his name. It's a prophecy of Jesus' ascension from the Psalms, that he would come in victory, having lived the perfect life, died the perfect death in weakness, a death that was due to us, by the way, was buried but didn't stay buried three days later, rose again, and while he was crucified in weakness, Paul goes on in our text today and says, yet he lives by the power of God. He endured the cross, despised the shame, but he's alive and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so our Philippians passage that I told you we'd come back to that is all about, hey, you guys need to have the mind that was in Christ Jesus. You guys need to stop doing things out of selfish ambition and conceit. You need to stop looking out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others and you need to have a humble mindset. And you know what? You don't got that in you. You don't have that kind of power. But Jesus does, and he'll give it to you today. He lived a life that was despised and rejected. He lived a life that was the humble servitude, all the way down to the point of obedience on the death on the cross. What's the good news out of all of that? Well, because of all that, Philippians 2 says, God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name which is above every name. It's that best name, isn't it? And man, when you hear it, it either gives you just a filling with love and passion or you hate it. And we see that in the world. Because it's the best name, it's also one of the most hated names among this world. But they better grow to love it because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven, all the angels and all the saints that have gone before us, and of those on the earth. And those in Australia, no, just kidding, those under the earth, thanks, cheap laugh, love you. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So because of Jesus' humble obedience and being crucified in weakness, he also validated his claims to be God and was vindicated from his wrongful death by rising from the dead the third day, he lives by the power of God. Because he was obedient, because he was humble, God exalted him. He's got the best name out there. Every single knee, including yours, you might as well rub them now. Because one day they're going to be resurrected from the dead and you're going to bow. You're either going to bow on your way to heaven and paradise, entering into the joy of the Lord, or you're going to bow before you're sent to eternity and judgment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and the wrath of God is poured out upon you. One way or another, your knees are going to bow. You're going to be resurrected from the dead. I hope that today you hear the Lord in the following verses and that you come to Jesus so that you can be saved from from the wrath of God. You might as well feel that tongue in your mouth right now because one day it's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Might as well get used to it now and learn to love it. Because that's eternity. Heaven's not snowboarding on the back of a white unicorn. Heaven is spending time in front of Jesus for all eternity Worshiping him. That's what he's created us to do. He lives by the power of God. Isaiah 53, the passage that we listed some 40 weak traits of the suffering servant Messiah, says, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great because he suffered and served and died and was the reproach, and because the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, he was glorified and he was divided a portion with the great. In Acts 2.36, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter was preaching Peter said, because of the resurrection, let all of the house of Israel know that assuredly God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. You crucified him, but God has made him Lord, which means kurios, which means master, and he has made him Christ, Christos, the anointed one, the savior of the world. Jesus died and rose again to be Lord and savior, Christ and Kyrios. And coming down to Wednesday night two weeks ago, writing with Laney, she starts talking about how much she loves coming to church. And she begins to speak about, hey, people that go to church are Christians, right? And just able to say, you know what? Not everybody. Some people come out of religion and trying to do something good so that they can save themselves from hell by doing more good than bad. And what's good? Well, going to church is about the best thing that you can do for yourself. So, you know, there's people there that are like that. What do you mean? Just talking with her about, you know who goes to heaven, honey? It's those who are born again. And she begins to weep and I haven't been born again. How can I be born? Nicodemus type story, you know, how can I be born again? I've only been born once, you know, in his word. She begins weeping in the car and begin to talk about, here's how you can be born again. You humble yourself before Jesus and you lay down all of your self-righteousness and anything that you think that's good that will get you to heaven, lay it down before him and say, this won't get me there and receive from him his righteousness Receive from him a new heart and a new mind and and, you know in so many words this was happening in our car but saying you know what jesus needs to be your master laney and your savior not only does he save you from your sins which everybody wants jesus is my savior but he also wants to be your lord your master see a jesus that is a savior will lead to being a Jesus that is a Lord. We can't help but want to obey him because of his good grace and mercy to us. Because he was crucified, he has been made both the Lord and the Christ. As Romans 1 says, he was declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Resurrection, you guys, is one of the most exciting studies to do as a Christian. All of the implications of what Jesus' resurrection means and and to see that Jesus' resurrection has been called one of the best proved facts in all of history. And if he's risen from the dead, then he's right about everything that he said. The resurrection from the dead declared him to be the son of God with power. And so we see this wonderful story of Jesus that though he was crucified in weakness, the story doesn't end on a sad note. No, he's risen with the power of God. And there is hope for us too today. For we are also weak in him. But we shall live with him by the power of God. As we come to Jesus with childlike faith laying ourselves down before him in humility recognizing our weakness and our not having it all together and our rebellion against him and our sin and how we are children of wrath destined for wrath unless he steps in as our hero we are weak and we need to acknowledge that to him and in our weakness we will live with him by the power of God this is New testament Christianity Romans six four says therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death so as we're being baptized it's a picture of us being dying with Jesus and the old Rory dying you can insert your name there as you're baptized oh there's that old sinful fleshly person who who is died with jesus i've been crucified with christ galatians 2 says but it doesn't say that we stayed under the water but just as jesus rose from the dead i've been crucified with christ nevertheless i live i have died with jesus in weakness and yet i live we were buried with him romans 6 Through baptism into death. And the even better news is that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also are raised and will walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. I ask you today, has your old man died? Have you died? You need to die. You need to come and humble yourself and be broken before Jesus and die before jesus this morning by the spirit of god right now die in the middle of this message come to the end of yourself so that as you come before him you don't come with a whole bunch of look what i got look what i did you owe me but rather come i got nothing anything that i could bring to you god is just filthy wretchedness i got nothing i'm dead if we die with christ who's died has been freed from sin and if we die with christ verse eight we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that christ having been raised from the dead dies no more death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god likewise you also prineville reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin reckon means take it into account account yourselves or count yourselves or who am i kidding we're in prineville you can say i reckon the old man's dead i reckon that's the way that it is you can do that right i wore my boots today i'm reckoning it reckon something reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin not just now but tonight when you're tempted tomorrow and tomorrow afternoon and you know when things get you're that's dead that guy's dead i've been crucified with christ i've been buried with christ in baptism i'm alive in jesus now i'm to live for god i'm alive to god in christ jesus our lord Romans goes on to say in chapter 8, verse 10, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the good news, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Listen to this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We're going to see in just a little bit. Paul said, do you not know yourselves if Christ is in you? If you're born again, if you've died with Christ, then the spirit of God comes in you. Christ comes in you. You are filled with God to live for God, to live in the power of God. If anyone does not have Christ, he is not his. And the same spirit who raised Jesus shook that earth, and threw that two ton stone away and knocked away the Roman garrison and brought a dead body out of the grave closed to live in newness of life in such a way that he can uh, walk through walls and appear over here and appear over there and do this and that live in power and ascend into heaven and go to the throne room of God the same spirit that did all that for Jesus lives in you now do you think that your life is going to look the exact same way as it did when you were partying with your bros in high school no You will be transformed from the inside out. You can't do that anymore. Doesn't mean we don't struggle or stumble or fumble around, but it means there is a difference in you and everybody sees it. The spirit of God lives in you. He rose Jesus from the dead. He raised you from the dead today. And so many Christians are living like nothing's happened. So many of you are living like nothing's happened. And you know what? Maybe nothing has happened. Maybe nothing has happened. Maybe you're the one that bears the name of Christ and you marked Christian on your Facebook status and you live in America and you've got a dollar bill in your pocket that says in God we trust and you're voting Republican for some reason this year and you think that that's going to get you righteousness before God and you're going to go before the Lord and be judged to be innocent and enter into his kingdom in glory. Wrong. Wrong. If you've not been crucified with Jesus in weakness so that you are dead... And if you have not been given new life through the Spirit of God who now dwells in you, you are still perishing and you are dead in your sins. And there are so many New Testament passages to speak of this. Die with Christ in weakness, rise from the dead in glory. And that's so wonderful. But I think now the Lord would have us move on to verse 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? And right now you would do good today to examine yourself and be real and examine your life. Does your life really represent a biblical Christian life? When you read the Bible, is it like, Man, I think like God's doing something in me to where, man, He's He's enabling me to begin to live this stuff out. Oh, praise God. Or is it, you know what, man, I've just got that Christian name that I rest under, and you know, I don't care that I live for him, I don't really care about him. I this is really a joke, I'm hiding everything, you know. Is, there's something wrong there. And we would just pray today that you would examine yourselves and Test yourselves, and the language means try to trap yourself. Try be real with yourself before the Lord, and as you start bringing out your attorney inside your brain and start defending yourself, do a little cross, whatever the, the legal term is, cross examination. Try trick yourself. Try to test yourself. Well, I did this, and I do this. So, oh, really? Because there's also this going on. And that doesn't jive with the life of a Jesus follower. Test yourselves today. Examine yourselves today. Consider a sobering question today. Am I really a Christian? The psalmist says in 139.23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search my heart, God. Test me right now. Bring conviction right now. Can you be honest enough today to ask the Lord that? Lord, test me. Show me. Cross-examine me. When I start kind of defending myself, well, I've done this and I've done that, well, that's self-righteousness. Show me my self-righteousness today, Lord. Let your MRI scan just go through my heart and just see if there's any wickedness in me. And if there is, I want to repent of that and lead me in the way everlasting. Lamentations 3 says, let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Just because you attend church and own a Christian t-shirt, use Christian lingo, listen to K-Love or New Life, attended a Christian school or quote Bible verses doesn't mean you're a Christian. I got a tape when I was a kid of this country music Christian guy and he says, just because a cat has kittens in an oven, you don't call them biscuits. And if a kid is born in a car, it don't make him a Chevrolet. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Well, you can go to church every day of your life and get dipped a thousand times, but ready or not, boy, that don't a Christian make. Some of those things stick with you. Give you nightmares. What do you hope in? As you're testing yourself, If you're really saved and in the faith, if you catch yourself saying, well, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this and that. And I was at the Billy Graham thing. I had Billy Graham lay his hand right here. And then afterwards, I went into that other room, you know, and I've done this and that. And you guys lay all that aside as good as it may seem. And cry out the great hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness that's that's it he is my savior and he is my lord do you love god test yourself if you love me you'll keep my commandments do you love god do you love people John tells us that if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're lying. The truth isn't in you. Do you love people? Do you love his church? It's the bride of Christ. He is the groom. He purchased her with his precious blood. He finds her valuable. But do you hate his people? Do you practice sin? Or do you battle against sin by the spirit of God these are things to ask as the Lord searches your heart Ezekiel says if a wicked man turns from all his sins which he's committed and keeps my statutes and does what is lawful and right he shall surely live he shall not die None of the transgressions which he's committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he's done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? What a wonderful word of hope for you today. If you came into these doors wicked and you know it. Hard to admit, isn't it? (laughs) But you know, wicked heart right here. If you would repent and turn from your wicked ways to serve Jesus today, to receive his righteousness, you will be forgiven. The Lord doesn't want you to die. He wants you to turn from your wicked ways to repent and to live. But in this passage, there's also a word for us that bear the banner, Christian, When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he's done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he's guilty and the sin which he's committed. Because of them, he shall die. Maybe that's a word for you today. Raised in a Christian home, homeschooled maybe, Maybe went to a Christian school. Wore a collared shirt every day of your life. Parted your hair right down the side where it belongs. Red-blooded American. Memorizing verses. Very religious. But practicing unrighteousness, you will die. And we say... The way of the Lord is not fair. And the Lord says, Is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? He goes on to say, When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it's because of the iniquity which he's done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man would turn from his wickedness which he's committed and does what is lawful and right. He preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. And then the house of Israel again says, You're not fair. And the Lord says, Are you sure it's not me? It's not I think that you're not fair and I'm fair. And so he concludes repent, turn from your sins, turn from your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you've committed. And listen to this. Get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. That's Old Testament knees for be born again. Be born again. Just come to Jesus there. And Lainey right now, she's been born again. And it it wasn't just a flash in the pan on a Wednesday night. She is so excited to be born again, sitting on Grammy's lap as Grammy's visiting, and they're doing their hair or something, I don't know. Grammy, did you know I'm born again? And you know, what does that mean, lady? It means I follow Jesus. It means I follow Jesus. He's my Lord and my Savior. Get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Test yourselves today. Haggai says, consider your ways. Now there's something to be said for the assurance of salvation. And we can have that. And as 1 John chapter 5 speaks of the assurance of salvation, that you may know that you're saved. It goes right on into saying, if you continue. If you continue. The assurance of salvation is for those who continue. As Colossians says, if indeed you continue in the faith, do you not know yourselves if Jesus Christ is in you? ESV of our verse today says, don't you realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Do you meet the test today? Have you been born again, given a new heart, a new mind? Closing here with John 15, verses 5 and 6. This has been so big in our core groups lately about abiding in Jesus. Sometimes we'll just say to each other in our core groups, just text each other, how's abiding going today? How's abiding? One guy in our group, he read out of a translation, it says, remain. Remain with Jesus another version says dwell with jesus and it says jesus says i am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit oh doesn't that sound good jesus is the source of life he's the source of sustenance man just stay connected to him if you are abiding and remaining and dwelling in jesus just good things will happen in your life. It'll just come naturally. Wonderful things of just being with Jesus. It'll just be blossoming and blooming and budding and fruit, just coming out, delicious fruit. Hundredfold, just keep coming out of you, just great things because you're tapped into Jesus. You'll bear fruit. Without being attached to Jesus, he says, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, He is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Test yourself today. Are you abiding with Jesus? There's a a call today for you to come to Jesus. As the worship team comes on up, come to Jesus test yourself right now test yourself Well, well, this about my life kind of shows that i'm not abiding with jesus and this about my life kind of shows that i want to do things my way and that he's not really my lord and this about my life that i'm kind of proud about what i've done and that you know one day god's going to pat me on the back and say hey you did a good job down there you know you kind of earned your spot in heaven you did more good than you've done bad and come on in buddy good job you go team go and, and you see that self-righteousness in you today that that's not consistent with someone who's abiding is there fruit in your life is there just love flowing out of you for god and for his people and fruits of love peace in your life patience gentleness and goodness and self-control are are you abiding those things will be just fluttering off of you and fruit blooming off of you are you loving God loving his people are you serving are you humble-minded laying down your life for others serving others serving the Lord serving his church that mind is in Christ Jesus now is yours do you have a new heart and a new mind? Have you been born again? Or are you like the Ezekiel people? What do you mean if someone who was righteous turned away and started doing whatever they wanted and became wicked, you know, they'd perish? That's not very fair. I hope you see that's, that's a poor heart in you. And that you would hear the Lord say today, hey, you, you need to know I am fair. I counsel you today to turn from your sin and let me give you a new heart. Do you see that getting a new heart is something you can't do? You can't do that. That's something that God does. He takes out a heart of stone that doesn't beat and doesn't know God and can't know God and he puts in a heart of flesh that is soft and moldable and beats and is alive and there's new life in you and you can know God and you want to know God that can happen today Paul had a fear that the people would be disqualified that means they'd fail the test he goes on in verse 7 just closing just this phrase I pray to God that you do no evil let's close our eyes right now As you're testing yourself, I pray to God that you do no evil. In the last chapter on Wednesday night, we read a verse where Paul says, I'm so afraid that when I come to you, I won't find you as I want to find you, but I'm going to find you fighting with one another and jealous of one another and wrathful to one another. You'll be selfish and backbiting and whispering and full of conceit and wars. For many who sinned before have not repented of uncleanness, sexual immorality, lewdness that you've practiced. How I pray to God that you do no evil. How I pray to God today that you would turn from your sin, turn from your bickering and your bitterness and your gossiping and your drama and your your contentions and your fighting and your selfishness and lack of humility. Turn from your sexual immorality and doing sex the way that you want to do sex and not the way that God created sex. Turn from that wickedness. Turn from uncleanness. Turn to the living God. Let him wash you and cleanse you. Let him do the work. Let him change your heart towards those things. Come to him today like a little child. And if that's you today, I want to give you a chance to respond to the word of God if you know that the Lord is just from heaven, he has searched your heart today, he has searched your heart and found sin in your life that he's calling you to turn from today, it's almost like you feel a heaviness of his hand upon your heart or a finger upon the button of your heart just saying, do you feel that I know these things and I'm calling you to turn from them to, to serve me and love me? Do you feel that? I'm talking to you today. And if you sense that he is talking to you today, I would just ask you to respond to him today. Just say in a humble, like a little child, in a humble heart, Lord, I've been found today to be living a life of sin, to be living a life of wickedness. I want to come to you today in weakness. I want to come to the cross. where your justice and your mercy is shown i want to come to the cross where you died in weakness and i want to die in weakness right now i want the old me to die the one who lived however they wanted and did things the way that they thought was right in their own eyes and i want that person to die today i come before you and i want to be buried with you jesus And I hear today of new life. That Jesus, just as you rose from the dead in power and you've been entered into glory. Lord, I want to rise from the dead. I want a new heart, a new life, a new mind. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Cleansed of my sin. And given a new heart to serve you and to know you and to love you. I realize that as I test myself and as you test me that I fall short of your good standards. Would you give me your good standards, Lord? And if that was you today and you prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you right now. Would you just lift your hand up if that's you? Just in humbleness in this place, the Lord sees you. Just know that he sees you. He's heard that prayer of humility. I don't just pray over your life. And, you know, in the New Testament, when you read of people coming to Jesus, you read somehow they were numbered, somehow they were counted. And, and man, today, if you just want to be numbered and counted to be a Christian today, you want to just be saved, you want to be given that new life, you want to follow Jesus, I'd love to pray for you today. You can just lift your hand up where you're at. Say, Rory, that's me. Pray for me. If you're a Christian here today, you can just pray for the people around you. We know, we're not fools to to know that every single one of us in this room came in here perfect before God. We know that God wants to change hearts in this place today. Just pray for these neighbors next to you. Anybody at all, Lord sees you. I'm just going to pray and as you just know that that's you, you can just lift your hand up during this prayer. Lord, you just see that there are hearts here today that are broken, that have just come to a place of humility before you. They know that, that you're convicting their heart of sin and of your righteousness and of judgment. Lord, they see your righteous standards of holiness and purity. And Lord, they see how their lives in their own strength don't measure up. And right now, Lord, as they just turn to you to receive your goodness and your righteousness, God, would you just pour that just into their heart, God? Lord, just give them superpower strength of the Holy Spirit to be able to say no to sin and to flee from immorality and to pursue righteousness even this week, God. But as they just make a public confession of their inability and your ability. As they come to you today in weakness and receive the power of a risen Savior upon themselves today. Amen. Why don't we stand together and we'll close in this song.